You're listening to City Edge Church. For more information, go to cityedgechurch.com.au. So I'm going to invite Mike up now to preach and I will pray for him. Lord Jesus, we thank you that we can come so openly to hear your word preached. We pray for Mike as he shares this word today, that you would bless him and be with him as he shares. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would give him your words and not his, that he would preach words that encourage, uplift and challenge us to become more like you, Jesus, to live um, more like you, Lord Jesus. I pray for your blessing over him. I pray for health throughout his body and any remnants of food poisoning to leave and not to show themselves during the sermon. Uh, in Jesus' precious, holy and wonderful name. Amen. Amen. Thanks. Um, yeah, hopefully, definitely that last bit of the prayer doesn't happen, but we'll push on. Um, for those that don't know, I got slight food poisoning from last night, what's making things a little bit harder, but that's all right, we'll push on. So it's great to see you here all this morning. Um, Mel and Anne say hello. They've gone away for a bit of a holiday down at the shack, so they're having some great away time with, together, So, um, but they'll be back next week. Um, so first time preaching for me this year, what's well, great, new year, new start, but we're going to go straight back to the old topic and old series of the characteristics of God. Yep. So, so far this series, we've covered a fair bit, we've covered the love of God, that God is unchanging, the omnipresence of God, the all-powerful nature of God, and today we're going to get to his omniscience, omnis- oh, sorry, tug to omniscience. I've practiced that like a hundred times in the mirror before, but like normal, doesn't want to come out properly, but that's all right. I did. We got there. We got there. Omniscience. We got there. By the end of it, it should be an expert saying it, but don't hold your breath. Um, what means? God is infinitely all-knowing. What's something, us as humans down here, we can't quite grasp. We, as we know, we're definitely not all-knowing. We definitely have to learn things. We definitely struggle. Um, we definitely have those moments where we just got to think and sit and think for 10 minutes until we work out what to do. But with God, his infinite knowledge, he never has those moments. God never has a eureka moment like we do or where everything just clicks. How nice does that sound just to walk up to something and say, yep, know exactly what's going on. But it's only we can only just imagine what it would be like. And still, we can't grasp the full concept of what it would be like to be all knowledgeable. God knows everything about all aspects of existence. He knows everything from the largest planet spinning around in space to the smallest molecule floating around the earth. He knows how everything works, and this would impress John. He knows the bottom line before he even has to work out the bottom line. <laughs> so how easy would your job be, John, if you could do that? But <laughs> that's all right. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's fairly safe to say that God is the biggest know-it-all of all time. He, he just knows it all. There's no question about it. So we're going we're gonna to dive into the Bible. We're going to have a look at a few aspects of his infinite knowledge and what it's like for him to be infinite, have infinite knowledge and what it looks like. Um, just to get a rough idea, I heard a, as I was studying for this, I heard a guy describe it like this. It's an aspect of, um, if you think of a wheel, um, and that wheel is eternity, and as you know, in most bike wheels, they're spokes that leads to a centre hub. So God's at the centre of it, and each spoke that goes out is a certain part of history. But at any time, God can look down that part of history and know exactly what's happening. He knows exactly the past, the present, and the future. So just 
yeah, to get a bit of imagery going here. Um, just keep that on in, in your mind. So we're going to start off with looking at God himself. This might be a bit of a weird place to start, but we're going to look at how God knows himself perfectly as well. So, God's infinite knowledge is an attribute that God, of God's that we don't share, as we've covered. Us as humans, we barely understand ourselves sometimes, let alone others. Um, but not with God. God understands everything about himself. If we have a look into history, us as humans not fully understanding ourselves, we can see how much hurt and chaos it's caused. If you look through history, just the disunity around the world that our lack of knowledge of who we are has caused. But luckily for us, God is omniscient in all areas, including himself. And we're going to have a look at some scripture to help tie this in. So Matthew 6, 8, first of all, it says, Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. So a bit of context about this verse. It's talking about prayer. But it leads us to believe that the Father knows something before we ask him. He knows what you're going to ask. He knows what you're going to ask for. Then Colossians 2, 1 to 5. It says, For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Lacedonia and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knitted together in love and reaches all riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom all the, all, uh, are all hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your, see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ." So a bit of background about this scripture is, it's Paul writing to the Colossians, mainly the Lacedonians. He's talking about the mystery of God. Now Paul's addressing them because there's been some false teachings claiming that um, people know the mysteries of God and the truth behind that. But as you can see in verse 3, Paul clearly um, sums up this mystery, saying that God's mystery is Christ, in whom the treasures of wisdom and knowledge is held. And we all know... Um, that you need knowledge to be able to pass knowledge on. So the only thing I really want to get from that scripture to start off with is that we can see that Christ is all knowledgeable as well. He holds the key to that knowledge. Now stay with me because we are building to a point. If we go to 1 Corinthians 2, 10 to 13. Um, These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the, per, except the spirit of that person which is in him. So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have, now we have received not the spirit of the world but the spirit of who is from God that we might understand the things freely given, given us by God and we impart these in words not taught by human wisdom but taught by the spirit interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. As we read, it speaks about how how can a person how can someone else know a person's thoughts apart from the spirit of that person? In the same way, we can't comprehend the thoughts of God without the spirit of God. Basically, the word comprehend means there is to fully understand, leading us that we need the spirit to understand God. What leads us to the next point that 
The Spirit is omnipotent as well. He's all-knowing. So out of these three portions of Scripture, we have seen the Father is all-knowing, the Son is all-knowing, and the Spirit is all-knowing. What finally leads me to the, the point that God, as a trinity, fully understands every part of emotion on how it works. There's no misunderstanding in any part of the trinity, and that altogether brings unity in everything that is done and is achieved. And everything that is done is done in pure perfection every time because there's no disunity. For example, if you look at me and Sarah, we're married. Um, sometimes, depending who you ask, this happens more often or not. Um, but one of us will plan something and not tell the other one, or the other one will plan something and not tell the other one. And all of a sudden, we're booked in for about 100 things on the same time. We're married, so the Bible says we're one, but yet we don't fully understand how each other work as well in the same way, what sometimes brings disunity. But that's that's because we're human. We obviously don't operate in full knowledge. But um, that's not the case with the Trinity. Because the Trinity is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They are God, and they are all all-knowing, infinitely all-knowing. They don't have a problem. They don't double-book themselves in different places. They don't have confusion about what's going on. They are all perfectly in sync, perfectly all-knowing, and perfectly working together as unity in that trinity. As a result, um, the plans of God are performed to the perfection every single time. So we discover that God himself is infinitely all-knowing about himself, but if you're going to describe someone as infinitely all-knowing, they've got to be infinitely all-knowing about other things as well. So the next point we're going to look at is that God is infinitely all-knowing in his creation. So Isaiah 40, 12 to 14... It says, Who has measured the waters in the, in the hollow of his hand and marked off the heavens with a span, enclosed the dust of the earth in the measure and weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance? Who has measured the spirit of the Lord? Or what man shows him counsel? Whom did he cons- consult? And who made him understand? Who taught him the path of justice and taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding? So God alone established creation. He's uniquely powerful and wise. God created all, and to, be able, and to be able to build something, you need to have a knowledge on it. So I'm a Sparky by trade. It took 12 years of schooling and four years of a basic apprenticeship just to learn the basics of that trade. It's a constant trade that's constantly changing. You need to keep up to date because new technology is coming in left, right and centre. You constantly have to do TAFE courses and constantly have to learn how to operate things. If we don't do that and we wire something up, the best case scenario is it doesn't work. On the next case, it brings destruction and fire and probably destroys someone's life. Here's the kicker. God knew exactly how to create the earth, how everything was going to work from the largest planet spinning to the smallest particle floating. And it's amazing. God didn't have to go through a four-year apprenticeship, 12 years of school, a uni degree, to have the knowledge to create the world. He knew from the get-go. If we have a look at some of the smartest guys that have ever walked on the earth, they've studied their, most of their lives to specialise in a certain field or two certain fields. If you have a look at Isaac Newton, who had an IQ level of 192, what's well, huge, the average is about 100. So it's, it's pretty smart. Um, he was an English physicist and mathematician. He's regarded to have developed much of calculus, the building blocks of today's engineering feats. Um, 
Then, obviously, probably in our lifetime, you got Stephen Hawking, who also had a massive IQ. He broke new ground on basic laws which governed the universe, including the revelation of black holes have a temperature and produce radiation. It's an amazing thing, thing to comprehend. As we look at some of the smartest people on the planet that spend their whole life specialising in a certain area. Um, and sometimes it leads into different fields as well, but mainly in one area. And yet, they still don't completely understand that area before they pass away. They develop theories and ultimately prove that theory wrong and then have to go on to develop a new theory to prove it right. They're constantly trying new things, experiments after experiment, to prove uh, to prove a point. Ultimately, trying to get a semi-win or on the odd occasion, a good find of how the Earth works. Their whole life, they're trying to understand that one field and constantly using trial and error to try and work something out. Then on the flip side, looking at God, he created the whole universe in seven days. By word of mouth, without raising a sweat, and complete knowledge, how perfect and how perfectly everything will work together. The exact distance, the exact amount of water to land ratio, the exact perfect perfection that is creation, without even needing to break out the calculator. And with no, no mistakes, no failed experiments, no theories proven wrong. He did it once to complete perfection and understanding. And through that all, he knew exactly how it was all going to work. It's all good me telling you that God is infinitely all-knowing in terms of his creation, but without scripture, it's pretty useless. So if we go to Psalm 147, 4-5. It says, he determined the number of stars. He, give, he has given to all of them their names. Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. Oops, sorry. So God determined the amount of stars. He determined the amount of people. He determined how the earth was going to look. Um, what's crazy, he knows the stars by name. Can I challenge you tonight to go outside and try and name every single one of the stars? It's, it's not going to happen. <laughs> you can't count them. But the, the amazing thing is God knows the exact number and knows them all by name. God's understanding is beyond measure. If you gave God an IQ test, he'd probably break the test just warming up. God's knowledge on how to do things is all through the Bible. If we look at Noah and the ark, Noah just didn't wake up one day and know how to build a ship that would hold two of every kind of animal and his family. But the blueprints came from God himself, who worked it out and knew exactly what he needed to make it work. Then Solomon building the temple, the blueprints from God again. There are many examples of guys um, just waiting for everyone to read about in their Bibles. But the greatest plan was the plan of salvation. There was never any doubt in God's mind that Christ would fail, because he already knew the outcome before it even happened. God has a complete and perfect knowledge of all he has created. If God has infinitely perfect knowledge on all he has created, he, he has perfect knowledge about me and you, what is ironic because half the time we don't even fully understand ourselves. Have you ever done something or is it just me where you think, why the heck did I just do that or something like that? If we go to Jeremiah 1.5. It says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I concentrated you. Uh, I appointed you and the prophet to nations. God is speaking through Jeremiah here, but 
He's speaking to Jeremiah, saying that he knew him before he was in his mother's womb. Just think about that verse. It says a lot about God being all-knowing and how God has full knowledge in the past, present and future. But we'll get to that part pretty soon. The first part of this I want to focus on is he knew Jeremiah before he was even formed. He knew him deeply. He knew all things about him. So if we go to Psalm 139, it's probably you, everyone probably knows it pretty well, but it's probably one of the most beautiful psalms on how deeply God knows us. It's got, it's got everything. It's got all three omnis mentioned in this psalm as well. He's um, all-powerful, he's all-knowing, and he's everywhere. So we'll read it. So Psalm 139 says, You have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my paths and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hemmed me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too too wonderful for me. It is high and I can't attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as day, for darkness is light with you. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was hidden from you when I was being made in secret, in greatly woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book, in your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when, when as yet there is none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! If I would count them, they are more than the sands. I wake and I am still with you. O that you would stay, slay the wicked, O God! O men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with malice intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there are any grievances ways in me. And lead me in the way of everlasting. So I don't know about you, but every time I read that, it it sends chills of how much God cares and knows you. Where can you run from his presence? He searches you. He knows your heart. So as we see in that psalm, the first four verses, in the first four verses, is that the Lord searches me and knows me. We have just looked at this verse and the beauty of these verses is that you don't, the beauty of these verses is you don't have to dig into them to find the meaning that the psalmist makes it fairly clear about that God knows every detail, about how all your activities, he knows everything. He knows when you rise up. He knows when you sit down. He knows how you're going to react in every situation. He knows the words before you even think those words, before you say them. He knows how you're feeling. And it says in verse 6, how this knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is something that we can't comprehend. 
It's just something that we don't understand as humans, to be so knowledgeable that God knows us better than we know ourselves. As we can see in that psalm, from verse 7 to 12, that God is omnipresent. There is no places we can hide from his presence. And in terms, there is nothing that we can hide from him. God is there watching our every move. He knows our every move before we even do it. This is encouraging for our lives that God knows us so well and loves us in such an intimate way, but it's also a pretty strong warning that there is no hiding from God. As David puts it in the psalm, that God knows and has searched you. He knows your heart. He knows the condition of your heart. There is no hiding. He knows where you stand with him. He knows your deepest, darkest secrets. And that thought is encouraging, but also take it as a warning. If you have not surrendered all to him and you're living two lives, he knows. There's no hiding from God. You might be able to pull the wool over people's eyes, but there is no hiding from God. There's only two options at the end of times, and they're both in the presence of Christ. One is eternal life and one is eternal wrath. Where do you stand with God? All right. Um, If you haven't already surrendered your life to Christ, I encourage you to do so. Don't be afraid. There's nothing that can keep you away from his love because he already knows every part of you. You don't have to hide anything from him as it is all known. And and yet, he still loves you. What an encouragement for all of us is that no matter what we do, God knows, but yet he still sent Christ for us. He still loves you deeply. Can you imagine... On this earth, how many people would truly love every single part of you if they knew, knew you to the depth that God does? But yet God loves you with that eternal love. He wants you. Okay, so on to, on to the next point I briefly raised from Jeremiah 1.5. God's knowledge doesn't revolve around what happened in the past and learning from it. He knows the past, the present and the future. Like us, we tend to learn from our mistakes from the past, so we make mistakes in the past and then it helps us in situations in the future to correct that so we don't make those mistakes again. We learn from our past experiences. We learn from our life experience. But not with God. He knows the beginning. He knows the beginning. So he knows the past. He knows the present. And he knows what's going to happen in the future. God infinitely knows all. God has never, like I said before, God's never had a eureka moment. He's never had a moment where everything clicks. He's never caught off guard and he's never learning something new. And there is nothing, as much as we think there could be, there is nothing that we can teach God. He already knows it. All we have to do is to see the knowledge of God through the Bible. It clearly states how it was created and how God reacted in the past. And it clearly states what the end looks like and who wins. As we know, the word of God is the word of God, is God's word, and that God doesn't lie. We can take confidence in the book that what the Bible says is truth. What's going to happen is going to happen. What God has said is going to happen. The Bible is clear with how the earth was created and how, how they live through the Old Testament and New Testament and how the present time looks as well. It also says how the end game will play out although there's many different theories of what that looks like, but it's quite clear who wins. If, if you're not sure, go to Revelation, read Revelation, and um, good luck. But that's all right. <laughs> it's great. But the insight, the insight into how the plan unfolds is written in these pages is clear that God knows exactly how the future pans out. 
is clear that God is in full control at every stage, that God has infinite knowledge in everything. And that as we know that God is unchanging and does not change, we know exactly how we react. He's the same in the Old Testament as he is today. The present time, God has not changed. Future doesn't change, uh, time doesn't change God. So we can take confidence in exactly how things are going to plan out. God never gambles. He knew exactly that Christ would defeat sin on the cross. It wasn't a gamble to send Christ. It was a well-thought-out, a well-knowledgeable plan that he knew that was going to work. God's plan is always a perfect plan. We might not see it. We not, might not understand or why things have to happen that way. But it's the perfect outcome to grow his kingdom and for things to happen. Have you ever been one of those people that's asked, why God, why does it have to go like that? Why can't it go like this? It's hard for us because we don't have the knowledge of being infinitely knowledgeable. But God does. We just need to take faith in a God that knows everything. We need to have faith that his plan is perfect. And although we might not see that as the best outcome, it's working together for his good. And it is always the right plan. Isaiah 46, 9 to 10. Remember the former things of old, for I am God. There is no, no other. I am God. There is none like me declaring the end. Declaring the end from the beginning, from the ancient times, things not yet done. Saying, my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purpose. It says in verse 10 that God declares the end from the beginning and that all these accomplishments will be achieved. We might not understand why things happen, but we are limited in understanding. Have faith in the one that knows all. He set the plan from the start to the finish. Trust in that plan and the faithfulness of God and that God is in full control with infinite knowledge. We can also see that God's knowledge in the past, present, and future, we can see that in the salvation plan and how we live our lives. And since we're going through Ephesians, it's a pretty good place to have a look. So Ephesians 1, 4 to 14. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself and the sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavishes upon us in all wisdom and insight making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. So as we can see in verse 4 to 5, the past part, we can see that in this verse, before the foundations of the earth, before the earth was created, God knew us and had a plan for our salvation. He predestined you to be part of his kingdom. Before we were even born, God had a plan for your future and you were known by God. What, and God knew exactly what your life would look like. In the presence, uh, verse 6 to 9, we can see, see in the present that there's nothing that can't sa- Nothing that can't be saved by the blood of Christ. There's nothing that can't be washed clean. Christ was not a gamble for the Father. 
but a well-thought-out plan. And 9 to 14, the future. As, as we read in, read in the verses, um, where am I? God had a plan for the future. Once we are saved, that's, once we are saved, that's not the end of our, our story with Christ. He, promise, he promises us hope. And it is God's plan to restore us through Christ. As we read, that, that everything in the future will be made right. He's using us to achieve the goal from having, using us to achieve the goal. He's using us to live out the plan that He's called us to live. From a life where we had hopelessness to a life full of hope, I mean, I would share that, that that's what we've called to. So take hope in that before you were born, born again, before you were saved, and after you were redeemed, God knows every single step. He's there leading you. He's there with full control. He has given you hope to walk out your life with God and knows everything that you will face and how it will finish. Have faith in God who has infinite knowledge of your life. So I'll start to wrap it up because we're going to do communion as well. Um, as you can see from the word that God is infinitely all, know- all knowledgeable and infinite in that knowledge. In every situation, he's never left short wondering how to do something. And if he, anyone ever tried to give him an IQ test, he would break that test before it even starts. But just like he would break an IQ test, he's broken the power of sin over our lives. And that plan was a well-knowledgeable plan. Take courage in God that knows everything. He knows your every move before you even move. He knows every thought before you even know that thought. He knows all, all that is hidden in your lives and brings light to the darkness. And once something's made light, it's never dark again. Take courage in the known plan of God. Sometimes in life, some of the scariest things for us is the unknown. Tish mentioned this before, we may be moving. It can be scary. But let's take faith in a God where the unknown doesn't even exist. He's infinitely knowing in all aspects. Thanks for listening to City Edge Church. For more information, go to cityedgechurch.com.au.